Welcome to Costume Party, the pop culture podcast chatting style on screen. I'm Lydia. I'm Hattie. And we're your unqualified yet enthusiastic hosts tearing the style of film and TV, past and present, to threads. Just a heads up, party people, there might be some spoilers, so we recommend watching ahead. Now let's get into it. another week we are here we are again and again this is a very you week yeah i'm very excited about this one <laughs> unsurprisingly this week we are going to discuss the new disney origin film cruella um which i'm very excited about we went to the cinema to see it last week was that last week yeah it must have been i think it was last week um yeah it's great. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. But how have you been? What else? Yeah, I've been good. I've been good. Um, nothing really of note to report. I have been watching quite a lot. Um, but what have you been watching? Oh, okay, I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my two recommendations this week actually are along the same kind of thread, which I'm not sure why. Maybe it's, I don't know. But. I've got a theme. So I've finally started watching <laughs> this week Working Mums, Working Moms on Netflix. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I'm actually really enjoying it. I think because it kept coming up, you know, when Netflix like plaster the top of the banner. Like, yeah, I've been getting that. So um, that kept coming up and coming up and coming up. And I've not really been watching much new stuff shock because <laughs> there just hasn't really been anything that I've wanted to like really get into mm. um especially anything heavy so I thought I'd give this a go because it is predominantly a comedy so it follows the main character Kate who's played by Catherine Reitman who is also the creator of the show her best friend mm. from college and um and they're now in like their 30s living in Toronto and it follows their mummy and me group so they've all just had babies and they're coming to the end of their maternity leave the women in this group and then it sort of follows right who's going back to work how do they go back to work what is it like going back to work and like all the kind of issues that come with that so that's like the main storyline and it is funny I've not like roared with laughter but I've giggled a lot, you know, like it is. It's yeah. Funny. But also I can appreciate that mm. probably I can't relate to some of the yeah. funny moments because I don't have kids. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, that probably would make it a bit funnier. Um, but what really surprised me that I've really enjoyed about it is that whilst it's a comedy and they're only 20-minute episodes, so it's really digestible, you can watch a couple, mm. like, in succession really easily but they do start to grapple with slightly more um intense topics so whilst it is a comedy so i've watched the first season and a bit of season two they've looked at issues like um 
postpartum depression and a lot of relationship issues that kind of come from mm. having kids and like divorce oh, wow. is discussed um abuse i've just watched um a bit about a plot line that follows an abuse story which is it's done well i think mm. um because it was quite unexpected to me because I went into it thinking it was just a comedy but actually there's obviously all of these other things around family life Mm. that they discuss and yeah so it's not just about kind of I don't know what you assume that it's just going to be like a funny 20 minutes about this group of mums mm. like they actually have all this other shit going on and I think that's quite yeah. clever so and the acting is really good um, so I'm enjoying that and the other thing that I've recently watched which is again <laughs> same theme is Motherland which when I was at home recently with mum and dad you've definitely had a big theme yeah I don't know what mm. like where this has come from but they both Netflix recommended both Should of them I be worried? to me. <laughs> so... Or excited? <laughs> no, definitely not. Should say excited. Um, <laughs> but this is another thing that Netflix kept pushing to me. So I was like, fine, I'll give it a go. I was at home recently and mum said she'd watched the first episode and hadn't been that keen on it. And we were like, oh, let's give it a go. And we binge watched mm. all three series in a week the week I was at home we watched the whole thing again they're quite short so the episodes are 30 minutes long mm. um, they're all on BBC iPlayer but I think the first two series are on Netflix as well and it's just it was just genuinely so funny I was so sort of surprised at how funny I found it again because it's about a group of mothers and one father mm. actually so it's um, a school it's all filmed in West London sort of around Chiswick I think so it's mm. very sort of like Range Rover money yeah like as you'd imagine mm. the sort of the school pickup to be in a in a wealthy area of London yeah. middle class area of London mm. um, and the kind of dynamics and the relationships between the mums plus this dad who's a stay-at-home dad who's like part of this mum yeah. group and just like funny things that happen to them which I guess are so it's so normal Mon- almost mundane things on paper like a kid's um, swimming party at the local swimming baths remember when we used to have those <laughs> like that yeah. kind of thing so all the scenarios are just it's just stuff that happens um, mm. and how the mums kind of cope with it but it's so so funny the characters are so well written so the writers are and part of the reason that attracted me to it so one of the writers and creators is Sharon Horgan who's oh, yeah, of course. Um, an Irish writer and producer and she co-wrote and starred in Catastrophe on Channel 4 mm. which I absolutely love I think it's just one of the best like TV shows ever like mm-hmm. it's up there for me um, so that really drew me to it because I knew that I really loved her and then Graham Linen, Helen Linen, and Holly Walsh so they all wrote it together which I think is quite an interesting dynamic as well so they all kind of 
brought different things to the table and it wasn't like in a big I mean I've never you know worked in script writing but a writer's room when there's loads of people throwing ideas around it was kind right. of like just the four of them yeah. putting stuff together and then working through it together and it's just so funny I'd really recommend watching it it's an easy watch but it really really made me laugh mm. Yeah. I will get around to it eventually. Give it a go. It's probably funnier to watch with someone else, I would say. Right. I enjoyed watching it with my um, dad. Yeah, I'm not sure I've got anyone to watch that with right now. Well, um, come yeah, well. watch with me. I'll it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> what have you been watching? Um, I've actually been watching quite a lot. I've obviously got lists on my phone for films and TV shows that I want to watch at some point. Yeah. You know, like when someone recommends something or I just see something that looks good. To remind myself, I put it in the list. Because um, I'm always watching something and I'm not the kind of person who can leave a series and come back to it. Yeah. Once I've left, I've left and I could be gone for a few years. Yeah. <laughs> so I try and remind... I. I keep tabs on like what I'm watching to make sure that I don't forget to watch things that I know I want to watch eventually. So I've been working through that. I'm, I mean, I've I have actually finished Call My Agent, oh. so that's given me a bit of room. Yeah, loved. Still recommending that to you. Really think you need to watch. Um, and I'm still getting my weekly dose of Cutthroat Competition with Great British Sewing Game. Oh, cool. But again, that'll be finishing soon because it's the final next week. Actually, it's final tomorrow. Ooh. Come on, Serena. <laughs> Or Raph. Um, no offence, Rebecca. But, yeah. So that that's exciting. And then that once that's done, I'll have some more room. I finally watched, this is something I've been meaning to watch for ages, The Pursuit of Love. Oh, was it good? It was good. Actually, really good for the costumes. We could have, we really could have spoke about it on here, actually. Because um, the costumes, cinematography, editing, were all very Wes Anderson. Mm. Um, apparently, the writer and director Emily Mortimer was actually inspired by Wes Anderson. Oh. Um, so stylistically, it was very kind of like pastel toned and golden hour, and and there were kind of like captions on screen as well, like in script handwriting. And there was a first person narrator mm. speaking over the top. So I think visually it was beautiful. Someone at work didn't like that; she felt it was too over the top for a period drama. But personally, I don't see anything wrong with experimenting with the period drama. I think Pursuit of Love has had a few adaptations already. Yeah. Why not do something a bit different and modernise it? That's interesting. Lily James is really good in it, but I will say that after the whole Dominic West kissing scandal, it's I, it's it grosses you out a bit having to watch them play father and daughter oh. like after having seen them on bloody scooter in Rome. Um, yeah, that's a bit weird. And it's really odd because I don't like. This isn't me throwing shade, but he's not attractive in this. Mm. Like he's a very kind of he's playing a very misogynistic character, and her dad. So it's just hard to see how when they were on set, she was thinking, "Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'll have a piece of that." Yeah, so that's that's weirded out. But I think I just had to really suspend belief and just really insert myself in the in the story totally. to enjoy it but i think visually it was stunning i will give it a watch i'll try it and then that balanced out what i then watched which again is something that i'm very behind on mm. because everyone was talking about it ages ago but i think i was watching another true crime documentary at the time and i finally got room for one in my head <laughs> at once um so it was crime scene the vanishing at the cecil hotel did you oh, watch that oh no 
I actually haven't. But is it good? Because it is good. It's not. It's only a few. And it's only four yeah, hours in total. Say, it's not long, mm. So I do need to watch that. Yeah, it's creepy, but it's it's an interesting true crime doc because it's not. It doesn't have the usual ending. And I won't say any more than that okay. because I don't want to spoil it because I think spoilers would actually spoil this. <laughs> but I will just say, try it. You've not got much to lose because it's only four yeah. hours and it is interesting. And also, social issues come into play. So it's, it's an exp- exploration of the wider culture in LA and also internet culture. Mm. So it's not just your bog standard, this girl went missing, the police did this, Yeah, they came to this result. It's, really you know... They do delve into some some other issues, so it's it's a good it's watch. It's on my watch list for sure. Yeah, um, I'm sure I've kind of looked at some other things, but I feel like, yeah, I've just been trying to whiz through stuff yeah. ahead of Love Island. Fair enough. So you've yeah. got to get them in. It's just it's a bit of a blur to it's be about honest. To take over I mean, our lives that's... again. So it is. I'm slightly worried now. Like now that I have to be in bed by ten. <laughs> I'm slightly worried about how I'm going to do it. I'm ready. I'm I think so it could ready. Actually, take over my life. I'm ready to sell my soul. Yeah, so am I. To be fair. Um, on that note, shall we Let's get into the discussion of Ruella. the film of the week? <laughs> this. So the reason I'm so excited about this, I just have to like preface this chat, is that um, mm, I think you should. As a kid, 101 Dalmatians was my favorite disney film i feel like every kid had like their disney film and mine was 101 dalmatians and i loved cruella chaville you know a lot of kids wanted to be cinderella but i really loved cruella (laughs) i had the wig like i was here for it like minus the killing puppies bit obviously like not into that yeah at all I actually really love Dalmatians as well. Like to this day, whenever I see a Dalmatian, I'm like, "Hundred one Dalmatians, I really want one." But um, George doesn't want a Dalmatian, so that won't be my future dog, unfortunately. So this adaptation, I was very excited about, and we yeah went to see it in the cinema. It was my first post-COVID cinema experience. It was delightful. It was popcorn. It was just yeah. It was really nice actually to be back in the cinema, wasn't it? And I am not a massive Mm. cinema goer, kind of in general. Like it's never been like high on my list Mm. of you know weekend plans. But I actually really enjoyed it. It was really nice to go back and yeah, go to a little local one. So we had a nice evening, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Um, do you want to do a wee intro for people that haven't seen it? Yes. Yeah. Um, I've actually written one. Oh, because hit me. I thought I should be prepared because I hate having to do a synopsis for something just off the cuff. Because mm. I always feel like I've missed out some key details, which I might have done anyway. But here we go. Cruella is the live-action prequel to Disney's 101 Dalmatians, charting the origin story of its most stylish villain, played here by Emma Stone, and attempting to explain or excuse her puppy-sidal ways. Spoiler alert, in this story, Cruella de Vil does not kill Dalmatian puppies for their fur, although kidnapping is involved. 
We see the ten-year-old Estella in her former years attempting to hide her inner dark self, named Cruella by her mother, before being expelled from school and orphaned, and then left to fend for herself on the streets of London, she turns to crime, but dreams of one day becoming a fashion designer. Great intro. Thank you. It, it felt quite long as I was reading that out, but it's, to be honest, the plot is is quite extensive. Yeah, it is. And the film is, it's a long film. It's like at least two and a quarter hours, yeah. isn't it? But it didn't feel that long watching it. I wasn't like waiting for it to end. Mm. I thought the twists were really right. good. The ending was great. Yeah. Like I, I didn't feel like I was missing anything. I think it needed all the detail. Mm. And I think, yeah, obviously it's about fashion and Corella slash Stella's journey in the fashion world. Mm. I think that you need all of those scenes that are purely about the clothes and kind of... Because there is a lot of that that, in theory, Mm. you could have not had, but I think you really need all the visuals thrown in throughout the intricacies of the plot to really like attach to her and what she's going through personally yeah um and i struggled with a common thread for this because i thought there were so many different ones different avenues that you could like consider definitely because i think the styles are very eclectic Mm -hmm. different characters seem to have very different styles and distinctive styles definitely and Cruella herself does, which I suppose maybe mm. for me what ended up being the common thread because right. we're kind of watching her change from Estella to Cruella and kind of mm. play both characters. And yeah, yeah like sort of figure out like who she is really or who her like Mm. what her future is and if that means she has to be someone else and like and then you see how she dresses mirrors Mm. those two personalities that she's had since she was a child and like dyeing her hair at the beginning well the beginning um when she first gets to london she dyes her hair Mm. so it's not her natural black and white hair and that's when she puts away Cruella, her bad side, for a while, and she's, like, living it as just Estella, and she won't be with Cruella, and she's going to, like, try and make a life for herself. So mm. even from the very beginning, from her hair, yeah, it's like she has these split personalities. Yeah, she's divided. Yeah, completely. Definitely. Um, and mm. what I found really interesting when I was reading about this, so... The costume designer was Oscar winner Jenny Bevan. And she apparently said in her interview with Vogue that she's not that interested or she's not that into fashion in her kind of Mm. day-to-day life. But obviously this is a fashion film. So to her, it's part of like the set and the staging rather than Mm. fashion. It's... It's a film tool rather than yeah. clothing. Which actually, I think, in a lot of Cruella's costume... So she had 47... Mm. Emma Stone had 47 costume changes in this, which seems like a lot. And the Baroness had yeah. 33. 
so there's like a lot going on in this film um but you really see through a lot of her bigger especially when Corella is designing and she's kind of finding out who she is as a designer the physicality mm. of the clothing is major like when she's doing the sort of guerrilla fashion shows and crashing the red carpets and all the baroness fashion shows yeah. and the, what she's wearing is always it takes up a lot of space it's like these massive dresses or like the mm. scene where she comes out of a dustbin and the dress yeah. is the skirt of the dress is like meters and meters and meters long mm. and like you see it sort of then when they drive off like the swishing away like the movement yeah and the space that it all takes up is so mm. dominant and actually yeah you can so see why obviously it's about the fashion but actually looking at it as a part of the set and mm. Cruella taking up space is so major yeah. I think definitely I think for me, the common thread would, again, be conflict between styles. Mm. I would say, looking more broadly at the costumes of, I wouldn't say everyone, not everyone, probably more Estella slash Cruella and the Baroness, because it really says to me that there is a conflict between the old world and the new world. And they have set the story in the 70s, in 70s London, which is obviously when punk culture was rising and in fashion. And that was really characterised by a sense of rebellion against the established order and against, which obviously was is tied up in the ideas of traditional Britain and the aristocracy and rigid social order, which actually the Baroness... Um, is an emblem for because she is arist- aristocratic I mean yeah. even her fashion designer name the Baroness that is how she's known she she identifies herself according to her place in society and her wealth and her designs are very much inspired by Christine Dior the 50s 60s kind of structured mm-hmm. silhouettes very small waists and asymmetrical necklines that's actually something which my new favourite YouTuber, Hot Lamode, um, oh, yeah. pointed out. Which I had actually noticed already myself, but um, he goes into a lot of detail. So if you are interested, hit his channel up because he did a very um, interesting, in depth look at the costumes as a fashion critic. Um, so she's. The Baroness is very much old money kind of conservative feminine styles and Cruella I mean Estella even has red hair which personally I would say in the fashion world is associated with Vivian Westwood who came up in the punk scene there was so around that time she was the mother of punk in fashion Mm. like she was major and a lot of when we were watching the film a lot of what I saw was Vivian Westwood like as Mm. in that's what I keep yeah. thinking and I think you're right especially with the hair and even when her hair's black and white it's quite like you know it is very punk yeah. one of the characters says oh that's just what the kids are doing with their hair these yeah. days and yeah I thought there's so much of Vivian Westwood inspiration there mm. and McQueen as well 
And I think going back to the Dior yeah. thing, actually, it's so true. And what's interesting is there's that one Cruella outfit when she's mm. again showcasing. I can't remember which um, show she crashes, but she crashes another show, and she's mm. wearing this amazing kind of it's a dress or it's like a big skirt which is very like Dior new look 50s vibes like the big Mm. um, Dior gowns looked in the 50s but it's red oh this is when she crashes the Baroness's black and white party no no Um, this isn't at the party this is um, a show and, and she's got like a military jacket on top Oh right, okay. And like that contrast yeah. between this is kind of kind of what the Baroness used to do, like these old mm. school amazing gowns, but I'm gonna make it red yeah. and then I'm gonna put a military jacket on. It was very mm. like yeah introducing punk to what fashion historically has been. Yeah, well that's also what kind of Vivian Westwood is known for and the reworking of traditional styles to make it slightly different, slightly quirky. And actually, I think Alexander McQueen, because he had been trained on Savile Row as a tailor, yeah. he did know how to tailor items. So he would take really beautiful items and just tear them apart and rework them. And that is very much what Cruella yeah. does. She's very punk in that way. She reworks a f- she reworks the Baroness's dress. So when she crashes the Baroness's black and white parties, this big event, she makes her debut as Cruella with her hair for the first time properly. Um, she's reworked this red long red gown, which had been actually like very kind of Christian Dior. Yeah. Um, and she wears that, and I mean, for one thing, it's red, so she's breaking the rules of the party, but also she's taken something from this designer and turned it into something new, turned it into something modern and different and that seems to be very much a signal that the new generation is taking over and is disrupting society as we know it. I think especially because Cruella comes from a poorer background, she basically ended up as a street urchin pickpocketing with Horace and Jasper, her little friends who she meets when she gets to London for the first time she, I mean, she actually, we actually see this represented literally in how she's, she's often pictured in dustbins. Mm. So she's bullied at school. She's, she falls into a dustbin, she gets out. Then when she's first working at Liberty in this entry level job and her manager's not treating her well and won't give her a chance as a seamstress, she goes outside to put the rubbish out and the bag splits and she gets covered in rubbish. Yeah. And then when she finally gets her first proper chance in fashion, she gets drunk and is work- decides to just completely rework one of the window displays in Liberty. And she uses loads of newspaper, which obviously is kind of... it. It's, well, it's trash, yeah. really, isn't it? She's using something which would have been thrown away from the day before. She makes it into this massive skirt, which, again, I know harks back to... John Galliano, another reference yeah. point which loads of news outlets have mentioned as inspiration for Cruella's styles. He used a lot of newspaper print um, fabrics. 
in a very punk way. Because then also we see that motif later on in the dustbin when she's on the back of the mm. dustbin truck and she's turned up at another Baroness event to upstage her. She's on the back of this dustbin and that massive train is all made out of newspaper or at least newspaper print fabric. And because she's hanging on to this dustbin truck and she falls out she falls out as if she looks like a pile of rubbish and then emerges yeah. and it turns into this gown. So it's this idea that she has come from the bottom of society. From, yeah, she's been essentially left in the trash by society. Though she's not been helped in any way. She's risen from the streets, from pretty much just being on the streets, not being treated well. And she's really made something of herself. And I think that then is a sign of the new order yeah. of people, of society being disrupted, social order. It's not just people at the very top of society who are going to be given chances. This new punk ideal is that people from the bottom, people from any level, can rise to the yeah. top if they put their work in. And and they're going to, well, they're, they're disrupting the establishment. Yeah, and even in how she does it and makes it happen is so disruptive. Mm. Because she's literally going yeah. and just showing up at these events and crashing them and being like, mm. everyone look at me. And it works. Yeah. Like it gets everyone's attention. And, it, and that it was, I think, in fashion, around, well, around that time, definitely in sort of like the 90s and and further how people were mm. presenting their lines kind of changed and like yeah. especially with McQueen there's a really cool show um, it was sort of late 90s I think it was 99 his spring summer show when he at the end of his show one of the models um, was in this white tulle dress and then they had these robot like spray paint so these robots were on stage with her and she's uh, like yeah. spinning around on um what do you call them like a little like a mini turntable like a podium thing. it was like in, oh yeah like you get in pop world into, on the yeah built into the <laughs> stage um and the model had been classically trained in ballet as well so it was very like broken doll kind of movement oh, wow. it's amazing to watch mm. in obviously in this sort of white balletic dress as well and then she's being spray painted in a kind of graffiti fashion it's all like green mm. and black um as she spins round and all of that movement of kind of looking at fashion differently and again being disruptive and showing people you know this model comes on stage and you think oh what a pretty dress and actually mm. like no that's not all you're gonna see and that's what Cruella did and I think what people were mm. beginning to do in that punk era um, that show I'm referring to obviously was post that but I think that definitely paved the way for everyone starting to look at you know moving away from those neat silhouettes and like how do we look at fashion yeah. differently and, and make mm. it fun and more inclusive yeah. at that time which I think really relates to today as well, especially in the idea that there's there's reworking of past designs mm. and vintage designs. Obviously, thrifting is very big now. Yeah. Everyone's shopping in charity shops and then trying to do their own bit to maybe upcycle. 
Mew Mew has done a recent upcycle collection as well, where they've Mew Mewified vintage pieces. And I think, so I think it's great for today's audiences because it does kind of hint at sustainability. Yeah, definitely. It definitely re- relates to what's going on today. Yeah, I agree. Oh, it's such a good film, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it is a good film. Did you have a favourite outfit then, or a best dress, oh, I guess we could say? I found this so hard to pick one, because there are so many in Estella, pre-Cruella, when they're pickpocketing mm. and, you know, making their living essentially through... Yeah, it is mainly mm. pickpocketing, isn't it? And, like, shoplifting and stuff. Mm. Um, she makes all the costumes... <clears throat> for their schemes doesn't she so they always have yeah oh i know what you're plan. gonna say i know Do what you're gonna you? say <laughs> yeah <laughs> i agree um this isn't actually my top one this is just more of an honorable mention that I, but i think it's really cool so um, oh, okay. when she's doing all their schemes and she's sort of like designing how they're gonna look so this is pre mm. her really designing fashion lines as she does yeah this is just her kind of making costume it's you know costume within costume isn't it so she's just Mm. making looks for them for her schemes and i really love the ones that where they're sort of like playing rich people and there's one that yeah she's in sort of like a jacquard bottle green coat with like a matching um headband Mm. which is really cool and then there's the one where i think they're pretending to be russian and she's in like a Mm -hmm. a so i really love those bits at the beginning because it's like yeah this is a story about clothes essentially Mm. and that really sets the scene at the beginning when you're seeing her making all those different costumes Mm. and i really love those as kind of like would wear them but i Mm. think if i had to pick one was that what you thought i was gonna say no um i thought you were going to say the one where she has the little louis vuitton bag oh yeah i do love that as well where she comes out the hotel yeah <gasps> yeah that's a really good one actually i forgot mm. um but i think if i had to pick one as like a moment in the film for me mm. it would probably be oh, see i do really love that big red gown where she has the military jacket on top and to me that's very Vivian Westwood meets Mm. the skirts I still think is quite Dior but probably I think the first time she crashes an event she crashes a red carpet event where the Baroness is and everyone's Mm. obviously looking at the Baroness and then she rocks up on a motorcycle and she's in gold sequin trousers mm. and a fitted leather jacket with like big shoulders and a collar so I would just wear that probably anyway like the trousers mm. are really cool but um <laughs> I was gonna say I did not like that oh outfit. I thought it was so good because that was the first time she kind of is introducing herself to that world as Cruella mm. and is like this is what I'm about I'm just going to rock up here on a motorcycle and it's sort of like quite glam with the sequins but it's still Mm. punk and like her hair's really big and she's got a red lip and then on her face 
her over like her eyes it's like almost lo- looks like it's been stenciled on and then sort of like yeah i assume that they've done it with eyeshadow or something um it mm. says the future yeah and this is the shot that like all the press have been using yes still. yeah yeah and that i think just harks back to what we've been saying about fashion going into this new punk era but also for cruella cruella is her future mm. is estella's future like this is what yeah she's going to be and this is her going out into the world and being like this is my mm. future now and kind of like the moment that whether she knows it or not she's sort of laid that out now and that's what's going to happen so yeah i think as a moment it's not like the most impressive costume in the whole film because i think there are so many Mm. amazing amazing ones but i just think as a moment that's a really big moment for for the character Mm. we'll go on tell me yours it is definitely a big moment i do think the jacket's clever because it's in kind of a tire track print yeah it's all yeah so i do think it's clever how they've mixed kind of you can't really tell whether it's leather or rubber and i think they've they've done that well Mm. It's just not. I just don't love the sequin pants. Oh, I'm sorry. I, think <laughs> I just think they're like slight. They are fun, but I just think they've not been done in a tasteful way. But it is Disney, so everything needs to be magnified. Yeah. Everything needs to be like out there. Agreed. Um, which I totally get, and I do love a, a Disney costume. I think they always do do well. Well, of course they because they can pay for the best people, can't they? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, they always do well. Um, yeah, mine was actually an entirely different character, my oh, best dress. Oh, go for it. And I think, yeah, I think this is because it's, I loved it and I thought it was slightly out there, it was quirky, it was cool, but equally it was the most wearable outfit for me. It was the kind of outfit that I was like, yeah, I want to wear this. Because I don't think I wanted to wear any of Corella's outfits, really. As much as I loved them on her and I thought they were visually, they were aesthetically mm. pleasing. I wasn't like, oh, I want to wear that. Whereas Artie, played by oh. John McCree from Everybody's Talking About Jamie. Such. Yeah, he was really cool. Yeah. I really liked his character. He apparently is actually the first openly queer character of any live-action Disney. Wow. Which I didn't realise. Which is, I know, which is pretty major. Um, but he wears, so he's this vintage shop owner, which... Oh, the shop. Stella, How much do you want to go to the shop? ...frequents. so much um apparently like that whole area is actually based on portobello market i was was gonna say because i went to portobello yesterday Mm. and i was like i sort of feel like i'm there (laughs) i'm living it (laughs) (laughs) um so he owns a shop and he's got a lot of vintage designer in there and he always serves such looks the one which he wears when he first meets cruella is just amazing and I just want to wear it it's I can't actually tell whether it's a waistcoat and matching trousers or a jumpsuit I can't really tell whether it's attached or not I remember but it's basically burgundy velvet like a waistcoat trouser combination and he wears it over a sheer what I think looks like organza leopard print shirt with like quite a pronounced collar yeah and I just think it's just an iconic look I really just, I want to wear it, to I just thought he was a great character, actually. Oh, mm. we could have talked about him. Yeah, I think 
they also did him really well because he was androgynous and he was quirky, he was a bit out there. But equally, like, I feel like he was tastefully done. Yeah. I feel like his outfits were never tacky. Like, no. they always did it just the right amount of out there without crossing the line into cliche. Yeah. Which I think is hard to do. Yeah, definitely. For that era, especially. Yeah, he just always looked like he knew fashion, which was the point, obviously, yeah. but it actually worked. I think sometimes with fashion mm. characters, it can just be really wrong. Yeah, they can go over the top or they only wear all black. Yeah. Which. So it's kind of. It's actually really hard, I think, to style a fashionable. a character who is written as fashionable. Mm. Or stylish because everyone's kind of got their own idea. Especially someone like Artie who mm. is supposed to be very over the top. It's hard yeah. to make and it knows fashion. look over the top without actually being too over the top. But yeah, they get the balance yeah. really right. Um, mm. Yeah, so good. So yeah, that's my best dress. Oh, good choice. Mm, thank you. So, what have we what have we got next week? Oh, we're actually on another big fashion designer. Yeah, we're looking at Holston, which I need to watch next week. <laughs> Ahead, yeah, of. same. But it's only five episodes, I think. Isn't yeah, it? so we should be fine. Sure. I'm looking forward to that. I've been saving yeah, me it to watch it nearer to the recording. Yeah, and everyone keeps being like, have you watched it yet? And I'm no. like, no, I want to. Um, so I am excited for that this week. So we'll be on another fashion theme, which I guess we always kind of are, but this will be fashion for fashion's sake, I yeah. guess, if that makes any sense. Totally. Can't wait. Yeah. Well, See you next time. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Costume Party Podcast and on Twitter at Costume Party Pod. Um, we would love it if you could follow feedback. Let us know if you've watched the yes. film, if you liked it as much as we did. And yeah, thanks for listening. We will. Yeah, thank you. Talk to you next time. Catch you next week.